The dude. Good afternoon from a soggy and gray freight alley, my friend. It is Monday as hell. <laughs> it is. It is Monday AF right around <laughs> here. Uh, I actually had. I had a morning call this morning at like nine nine thirty. Oh, not I good guess it's like Monday. raining and gloomy where everyone is. So uh, the Monday energy in that room was like overwhelming. <laughs> as it, as it is nice. here, but we're awake. We're wide awake up here. I'm actually pretty excited. I'm going to. So. My wife and the kids have been away, and yeah. I've been taking care of the whole house and yeah, our cat yeah, yeah. and our dog. And I'm walking our dog. She's a great girl. She's a lab yeah. mix. We adopted her 11 years ago. She's 11 now. So she's slowing down a little bit. But when she goes to the bathroom, she does like this kick thing. And she learned that from a now past dog that my parents had, this dog named Bailey. Okay. It got me thinking, you know, we're definitely going to get another dog when, you know, after the current one we have. But why not get one now and, you know, allow her to impart some of that wisdom she has now, the current dog we have. And plus, take a look at this doggy. It's pretty cute. Kind of makes sense. Pretty cute. Man, dogs will suck you in. <laughs> I'm not That's saying very, I'm getting the lab puppy, cute. but I go Looks to Looks like you're getting a lab puppy, though. I, I mean, here's the dangerous thing with going to look at Puppies, you usually obviously. come home with well, it. Well, yeah, look at his face. I mean, look how expressive <laughs> that dog's face is. I'm pretty uh, sure, you know, you pick it up. I don't know if I'll be able to get out of that tractor beam. I, I think you're. I think you're already in it, dude. <laughs> I don't, it's tough. I've been looking at that. I think you just. A lot. Em, I think you just embrace it and uh, and move on. Yeah. What's the new dog's name? I don't know. Uh, you, uh, well, because do you wait? Do you wait to like learn the dog's personality and then like? Yeah. Okay, that's the name. Yeah, I'm not letting like yeah, someone else you. name the dog. Well, I just. No. I mean, you don't. You Maybe don't try and pick one out before. Maybe the kids. Well, my boys, I probably would. Yeah, yeah They're yeah. five and seven. I don't know. Yeah. They'll probably give it a Zelda name, like Link or something, or Ganon. <laughs> I'm not really sure. We got a big show going on Glass today. Joe. Hopefully, I won't get hit with a uh, supply chain surcharge if I do decide to get that dog, as you will be at restaurants. We'll talk a little bit yeah. about that in the uh, news. We're less than four weeks away from the start of college football yeah. season. People going back to campus. Everybody getting hype. But how does college hype? Boston-based company, South Shore-based company. How does College Hype deal with the demand, especially in a supply chain like that? And I can tell you, I was ordering these shirts and hats recently. Yeah. And, like, certain types of hats that are standard bearers, like the Richardson 112. Yeah. There's, like, a six-month delay just to get something simple like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So okay. it'll be interesting to hear how they're going to fulfill the demand and also how they sort of turn a lot of this I the iconic sayings and things from Boston into their own brand. They've even involved the Wahlbergs. We'll... Uh, We'll get in all okay, into cool. them. Cool, cool, cool. We'd love to highlight Veterans on here. Another nonprofit veteran program that's being started is Grunts Off the Ground. It's focused on getting Marines and soldiers into logistics. We'll talk all about how that's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. And um, Trimble Transport, they're going to come on today and tell us a little, give us some insights on using tech to reduce your fuel costs. I'm sure y'all really want to... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Out. I'm sure that's a hot topic. Yeah. Although, fortunately, I've been driving by the pumps. You know, and it's 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 been going down. It's been going yeah, down. Not as fast as I'd like to see it, but yes, it has been uh, has been going down. It's sub down five, about a sub five dollar diesel from, here, though, in Chattanooga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and gasoline is like a buck cheaper than I paid for it about a month and a half ago. Yeah. So yeah, gotta get here. Little little cowbell for at least uh, a little bit of uh, a <laughs> bit of rates going down. Right on. Let's tip the band, then we'll get to some news. Surge Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Agreed. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. 
Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. Instead, email jobs at searchtransportation.com and open your own office. How soon? When? Tomorrow, man. Tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow you can do one. this Monday. Something, something's got to be going on. All right, we mentioned supply chain surcharge. Apparently, it's now a thing. Take a look at this. Uh, take a look at this picture <laughs> that someone, speaking of Boston, someone over in the Swamp Scat area of Massachusetts went to this restaurant here, Mission on the Bay, and they noticed wow. a new line item being inserted on their receipts. It's right here, a supply chain surcharge, which is a 3% cost that they've uh, tacked on top of this thing already. And if you look at some of the price on here, because some people, like, they saw this online, they go, well, maybe they're doing it because it's temporary and they don't want to move up the menu prices. Okay, but allow me to enter into evidence here. The cost of a mocktail is $7. Let me enter into evidence here a nine-ounce Kona. Savion Blanc, Kona, Savion Blanc. That's the kind of wine you drink out of a brown paper bag. That is $18. $18 for a Kona? For $18 for a Kona. $7 for the mocktail. Uh, what is the great lady? Uh, it's How much is stuff. the Mad Dog 2020? Mad Dog 2020. They, you know, they put those in plastic bottles now. They did. Yeah, I know. Like they the should stay ones. in glass. They should have stayed in They're glass. They're ruining the environment and your liver. Well, some Redditors commented on this. They said, uh, seems like there's already a surcharge built into that $7 mocktail. Amen. Um, the person who posted this, who, who ate there, said, uh, I believe it. The food here is terrible. Um, <laughs> be, uh, M. Bossy says, be sure to let them know that supply chain issues in the economy ne- mean you will never go there again. Yeah, what about this, Michael Vincent? What if on okay. your receipt, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you start, they're adding light items. Why don't you add your own, like a, like your own, uh, fuel tax deduction for having to drive. It costs you more money to drive to this location to eat now. So you will charge them back a little bit too. Yeah. So like you enter in your zip code and you get a discount for the distance you traveled, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a reverse fuel surcharge. I like it. What, what do you think? Do you think this is a good way to go about no. increasing prices to consumer? The, no. the reception, um, on Reddit online so far, it's been very bad. People don't like seeing that line item there. A lot of people said they would rather just it be in the menu prices, like a normal place. Yeah, just put it in the menu prices, and maybe that's what they were thinking. I don't know. It seems more like they put it in there just for the It's a buck. Yeah. They made a whole dollar extra. They can't even buy a gallon of gas with that buck. Well, they said they asked the <laughs> restaurant here. It said the first guy told me it's there because all the restaurants are adding it. Everyone's doing it, not because supply now costs more. The second waiter told me it doesn't go to her. It goes to the middleman somewhere, and she didn't quite understand it. The manager didn't have time to discuss it and removed it without question the first time. Second time, I didn't bother. It was only a couple of beers. And here's the thing, right? They might move it if you go and say something because a lot of people aren't going to want to wait for $1.41. But it leaves yeah. a bad taste in your mouth when you're walking out the door. Yeah, Over a dollar re- forty-one. I don't know what your cost of customer acquisition is, but is like a dollar forty-one worth sacrificing? I don't know. That's your call. I don't know. Mission either. on the bay. How often do you look at your receipt that closely? I don't look at them that nah, well. I will be more often. I will now. be more often. Absolutely. Another I one will. says. Another writer here said, "I'm so sick of all the fees, surcharges, food, concert, Ubers. I refuse. They're right too. I mean, there's more fees than ever coming up. You, there's no pricing transparency whatsoever. You go, even go to buy a cup of coffee. There's like ten different light items they want you to check off now. <laughs> Afterwards, yeah. Afterwards, different things. Wow. Kona blend's going to cost you more though in coffee. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that I would is say so. <laughs> Protests went over at the port of Oakland, right? Well, bad yeah. news now. Port Authority is suing these Oakland protesters. Rooster reports the city of Oakland, by the way, of the Port of Oakland operating authorities, has officially sued the leaders of last week's AB5 protest. The lawsuit is seeking an immediate temporary restraining order against Enrique Alvarez, 
Prodicio Umana, Navdeep Nigel, Filman T, and Does One to Two Thousand. I don't even. What is Does? Are those just the participants? Does. Does. I don't know. Uh, John Doe's, the, I think John Doe's 1 through 2,000. Oh, John, okay. It I says they represent the unnamed protesters who took part in the protest. An injunction yeah. would block further protests at the Port of Oakland property and ban the blocking of trucks traversing the port complex. Wow. Okay. Well, the ultimate goal of the lawsuit, I guess, is to ban further protests. Sure. They also put it into the port authorities have listed the amount sought in the lawsuit as unspecified. Yeah, it had the unlimited damages, so it's, uh, it's over 25000 Yeah, we'll take whatever the court thinks we should get. I think so. I think is what it says. Some, something to that effect. I think so. I don't, how do they determine the 1 to 2,000 does? Well, they don't know how many there okay. were. There were thousands other. They just want They're them just all to have to game. stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, answer yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, last week, protests weren't just at the Port of Oakland. Uh, protesters also were at the Port of Houston, right? 80 owner-operators were in Houston. They'd been on strike demanding higher freight rates, better communication with their employer. And this was uh, all happening over at HUD Transportation over there. So be mindful. These protests aren't done. People still upset about mark conditions, AB5, all those sort of things. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Careful Oakland. crossing those lines, my friend. Oakland getting out of there. And a little bad news over at Rivian. Rivian, a lot of companies were in that time where, uh, look, companies are cutting headcounts and they're always sad to report. Right now, Rivian's laying off 840 employees. That's about 6% of the 14,000 employees in their workforce. Um, The company, they said, they have put out a statement here. They said the decision will help align our workforce to our key business priorities, including ramping up the customer and commercial vehicle programs, accelerating the development of R2 and other future models, developing their go-to-market programs, and optimizing spend across the business. So pretty typical PAP, boilerplate PAP when you make cuts like this. Yeah, it absolutely, it absolutely is. Their stock has steadily That's lost brutal. ground since the first day of the training in November. On Friday, Rivian closed at $34.30 a share, which is down more than 80% of its high from its high on November 16th of $179.47. Amazon, which is Rivian's largest customer and backer, uh, yeah, largest customer and backer, lost $11.5 billion on its Rivian stock investment over the first six months of 2022. And that includes a $3.9 billion loss on the investment in the second quarter my friend yeah when the uh, stock market smoke screen starts to evaporate a lot of a lot of companies are getting exposed you know and people are looking yeah for ways i was to... getting excited about our rivian too i saw one in a wild and hickson like a week ago good well, looking i just read they were having huge issues because of the amount of customization they allowed on oh. their truck right there oh, okay apparently they had no control or allegedly they had no control on their website to to match up with inventory so there's sort of all these mismatched builds oh, out there yeah that that'll that'll get you is going to be even more of a challenge yeah because that's the one where like you can have that slide out kitchen type of thing right is it i don't yeah not, i haven't looked that closely yeah too, it's uh, got a, like a slide out camping kitchen like behind the second row of seats is kind oh. of cool or you can have it like interesting a, like a storage place anyways yeah well, cool looking truck i hope they make it yeah well we'll see i mean they do have that deal with amazon and i know their trucks have been out in the wild they've been seeing more and more pictures online but of course yeah. that's a high valuation so you know people expect returns Let's yeah see what happens yeah, yeah, yeah. tough market to get in right now yeah man Speaking of no tough, doubt. tough is uh, paying for fuel. Even though it's receding a little bit, small carriers get in crush. Let's talk to Chris Orban. He is the VP uh, VP and business area manager of supply chain insights group over at Trimble Transportation. Chris, is it a little drier out your way? Uh, well, I'm actually in New Orleans, so uh, it is uh, toasty, warm, and nice and humid here. Um, by the way, I want to make a quick comment about that uh, receipt you were showing there. Yeah. There's a bar right down the road from me. 
$5 beer and a shot special. You don't need to pay $18 for a glass of wine that I think the whole bottle costs you 12. So, you know, Hey, come on down to new Orleans. It's a great place. So $5 boilermakers in new Orleans. Let's not, go. There you they, go. Have, you, have you seen a restaurant tack on a supply chain search so explicitly like that? I haven't seen something like that, certainly not in my area, um, but fuel surcharges are, you know, getting thrown onto things that I would not have expected them to be there. And in some ways, maybe this is an opportunity, right? If we can find some ways to save some money on fuel, um, if people are trying to expect these higher fuel prices, like, hey, let, let's get in there and, and solve this with some technology. Yeah, look, the fact is everyone's getting aggressive about protecting margins. It's, it's, a, down, it's, it's a down economy and mm -hmm. a high rate and fuel cycle. So you got to find it where you can. I was actually reading your report uh, Trimble put out a great report. I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you all want to read it. But I wanted to go over some of the key points in here because I thought there were some awesome takeaways. Like one of them, for example, was the uh, how hammered some of some of your constituents, the people who took this survey are saying uh, in terms of increased fuel costs. 35% said it's increased between 26 and 50%. And we had another 30% said it's increased more than 50%. So that's those are big numbers. Tell us a little bit about the survey and what you've learned from it. I, I, I learned, I think, what, what you would expect, that, that this is really hitting our smaller carriers the hardest, right? You know, you, you might not have the cash on hand to handle some of these, you know, huge increases in cost uh, in the short term. So, you know, how do you solve that? Um, you know, you've got to kind of look outside the box and maybe look for ways to, uh, you know, improve the, the, the way you're purchasing fuel. You know, can you get some discounts at the pump? Can you get any kind of thing going on there? Um, but you're 100% correct, right? Like, th th this is a dramatic change in a short time. What, what's the phrase that the, uh, the fuel prices take the elevator up and the stairs down or something like that? Um, I think fuel prices are coming down, but very slowly. Yeah, it's unfortunate that they do come down that slowly. And you're right. It's the smaller uh, fleets that, that get hit with this when you look at that spread between retail and, and so on, right? So what, what, what is the, uh, uh, the perspective of the carriers there was that they're the ones that are absorbing this, right? Because they can't pass that on to, to, the, to the shippers, right? Not, not at the level that, that the prices have been increasing, right? You know, so, so typically you have some kind of you know, framework built in your contracts where if this happens, then we can add a fuel surcharge or something yeah. like that. But you know, the, 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 the rapid and extreme increase in fuel price, I think caught everybody kind of unawares. Um, and so there, there, there wasn't the chance to react uh, in the way we might normally do. Well, and it seems like, uh, I mean, aside from these over inventory issues, which is a completely other thing over in retail, it does seem like some of this absorption is, is clearly happening on both sides. It is the carriers and the shippers who are paying for it. But then mm -hmm. passing on that 3% supply chain surcharge uh, means that that has to come over to the customer, too, especially in these um, sustained environments. What was the most surprising thing you learned from this, though? How were people who responded to this, how were they fighting back against this? How were they protecting themselves from rapid increases? Were they using tech? Well, I think some were. And, you know, I think about my time at a carrier, you know, we prioritized, you know, fuel savings and working with our drivers to make sure that we were taking their needs into account as well, because this is a high stress time for everybody, right? Like there, there is no way that you can just say, oh, fuel prices are up. We'll add a fuel fuel surcharge on, and then everything will be fine. Like I think you need to be much more responsive and think about, you know, are our drivers fueling at the right place? Are there people who are you know, members of the public who are more frustrated with higher fuel prices? So that literally increases the stress level at truck stops and things like that. So I look at this as an opportunity to really get some 
powerful routing and technology solutions in front of some of our you know small and mid-sized carriers that really can make an impact both on their bottom line and the driver experience, which you know I've talked to you guys before is incredibly important to me. You know, the, the drivers are what make all this happen. Yeah, they certainly are, Chris. And talking about the tech and the drivers. What's more important, the driver habits, the tech, or a combination of them both? What's the secret sauce? Has got to be a combination. So I think one of the big mistakes we've made in the past is we will give you a least cost fuel route solution. Well, that's not fair to the driver. Like there, there are things that a driver knows that that all our fancy data science and machine learning in the background can't take into account. You know, a driver needs to have some influence on where they stop for fuel, when they stop for fuel. Um, it's very, very frustrating to have your day dictated from start to finish like that without feeling like you have any kind of control. You know, we trust you with our, our vehicles. We trust you with our, our cargo. Why would we not trust you to make a good decision about where to fuel? So if we can give you options, if we give you choices that meet the specific criteria, maybe in terms of the commitments to, to gallons purchased or the fuel prices that we want to try to hit, those are the kind of things that our drivers can help us with. We have to collaborate. Now, we have to give them good information to make those decisions, um, and that's something where, you know, without a, a powerful fuel and route program in place uh, is much harder to do. Now, Chris, perception and reality aren't always the same thing, right? They don't always meet up. And the perception right now it, by these carriers is that, and especially a lot of the independent owner operators that you surveyed, is that these costs are going to increase for the long term. Like they they are getting very bearish <sighs> Uh, about this, do you agree that there, or do you see this this downtrend? And if you're you're sort of smart about it, there, there will be a recovery later in the year. How are you looking at this? I'm, I, I truly don't know, and and I think it would be un, unwise for me to make a, a prediction. But what I will say is, in my experience over the last you know 16, 17 years, there is this huge increase in interest in these technology solutions to reduce fuel costs and to improve fuel efficiency and things like that when fuel prices are high and that interest fades away yes. over the you know year yeah. or so afterwards. And so let's get ahead of the curve now. We know, and let, let's say this is a problem for the long term. Great, let's deal with it now. You know, while we've got an opportunity to make a difference, and if if prices come down, hey, we've got efficiency improvements. I mean, the kinds of tools we're talking about from a technology perspective help you when fuel prices are lower too. If we can find you know, one or two pennies to save instead of six or seven, you're still saving money, right? I mean, that's the idea. It certainly is. But Chris, how do you keep that going? Is there a gamification that you have to have with the drivers or what? Because you're right. I mean, we're sheep. We forget, right? I remember the 70s when we were all going to have just four-cylinder little cars. And now, you know, Ford stopped making all cars. They're just making SUVs, right? So we forget. I, I, I love it. You, you guys, you guys speak my language. Like I love the idea of gamification. I remember like, like literally the second or third week in this industry, I got uh, a piece of advice from a safety manager of all people who said, look, I improve fuel efficiency by posting a list of my drivers with their names and their current MPG next to them. Right. There you go. 17 years ago, we're gamifying stuff, right? Like yeah. people want to compete, people want to win. So into these tools, I, we, we should have elements to say, Hey, who's been the most fuel efficient? Who's been the best at finding the, you know, following the right path to get to the, the, the less expensive fuel. What kinds of ways can we reward our drivers? If we're going to save four or five cents a gallon, why don't we give some of the money back to the drivers? They're the one, again, yeah. doing the work, making these good choices. Like that's, that to me seems very obvious. 
Yeah, no, and it makes he makes a great point. And with, I mean, if the most instant feedback when you're a driver is is the speed that you're going in a lot of places, that is because you don't hear any feedback other way. Then yeah, you're gonna make that needle go. And yeah, you're gonna, exactly. You're gonna make exactly it go right. As fast as you can. Hey, I like what you had to say here. We're gonna put a link to the uh, report in the show notes in the article that comes out with this. But if people want to connect with you, they want to continue this conversation. Where should we send them to? Uh, uh, Trimble Transportation, uh, where we've got our website, we've got a couple of different products on there that might be interesting for folks. Just uh, hit us up. Thank you awesome so much, stuff. and stay, uh, stay cool out there in New Orleans. <laughs> I'll try. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Take it easy. Let's talk to Del Moore. She is the Associate Recruitment Consultant over at Wilson HG, and she's putting together a really, really cool program to get veteran grunts off the ground and working in trucking and transportation. I, I, Should we I, meet her? Yeah, we absolutely. I love what she's doing here. I love this. All right. Then this what is are we awesome. Let's, let's bring, bring her up. Come man. on. Where now. is she? <laughs> and is it Dell? Do we call her Dell? I don't know. Let's, let's see. Well, how, we are now. It's Delena. Oh. There you go. Delena. Okay. What the All right, sure. Well, we're, we're getting comfortable with you. We're getting comfortable <laughs> with you. Where, where are you sitting right now? I see the uh, Sanrio Hello Kitty over your right shoulder. What part of the world are you at? <laughs> Um, yes, my uh, my Hello Kitty stuffy right next to my uh, Muhammad Ali Wheaties box um, for <laughs> Love inspiration. It. I'm in my office here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, you should have just come right down to the studio. I know it's raining out there, but, uh, you know, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Muhammad Ali used to uh, train for speed by turning the light off and racing it to bed. <laughs> oh they used to do the speed bag on Hello Kitty too. <laughs> yeah. Bad Bats Maru, you're going down, buddy. Like, what do you do over here in Chattanooga? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I um I have a background in operations within the transportation logistics industry. I'm a military spouse. Um, I was actually able to uh correlate in uh work with being a military spouse and work within the transportation uh industry. Um, that was fun, uh, but it worked out and eventually brought us to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, my Marine is retired now, um, but uh, I wanted to put back that focus. When I was working within operations, I noticed that there was a lot of push for veterans to be drivers. And then when I was on the other side of that call, um, I had a lot of veterans expressing, especially once they find out that you're family, yeah. um, expressing that they wanted more people to be on the other side that understand them, understand how they work, understand their their drive for to, for success and why they're so detail oriented. You know, kind of like the last guy was talking about noticing when gas is cheaper at one mm -hmm. truck stop versus another. Um, and things like that. So um, I took that that knowledge of the industry and that passion to help veterans uh, from the last six years of helping them transition in the civilian sector and kind of pushed it all together. And here I am in Chattanooga trying to get grunts off the ground. <laughs> so, so how specifically does it work, work, Delena? Uh, it is is my main question. Uh, but secondarily, can I call him a grunt without getting my ass kicked? Well, yeah. <laughs> is that disrespectful or no? No, I think it's more preferred. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Very, very cool. Very cool. So, so how does this, how does this actually work? Who do you, who do you work with and how are you getting this done? So I'm currently, I've been currently working with companies to shine that light um, on those ground side Marines and soldiers, their logistical, 
very profound logistical footprint within the military, how many things they understand um, from the movement of people to ammunitions to tanks to customs forms to almost pretty much everything we do on the civilian side. Um, they do, but even in a, a bigger capacity in the military. So I've been working with companies to try to shed that light and push those hiring initiatives um, within that sector and to look upon them um, to put into their fleet or fleet as fleet managers, as planners, as transportation managers, um, just, you know, because there's no fluidity within our, uh, our industry, right? Um, so any, mm-hmm. any sort of those positions, those, especially those E5 and below. Um, so I started working with uh, Vets to PM. Um, Doc noticed me. Um, and we had a conversation. It led to conversations with Kathy and Bridget um, with Vets to PM. And now we're, you know, essentially trying to get this going, trying to get the word out, trying to get that help to those Marines and soldiers to get them into those into those positions. What are the unique needs of uh, military families going into the private sector? What what's different about that than your typical kind of recruiting? Um, you want to find something that, so there's, there's, there's two sides to a transitioning veteran. There's not just finding them a job because if that's all there is, then you're failing them. Hmm. It's also finding them a job where they feel they can be utilized all of their skills, um, everything that they have to bring to the table. And the, with these, with these guys and girls, the ground side, they have this immense passion for teamwork and camaraderie and making sure their own are taken care of, which is something truck drivers want. That's retention is giving them that person on the other side of the phone who understands what it's like to be away from their family, who understands what it's like to have your pay to have to have your pay fixed. I mean, it is what it is. Um, Things like that missed home time there, that retention focus that ground side is going to get in there and they're going to be able to utilize those skills that are just, that are not on paper. That's camaraderie. And so not only would they be giving back to the company with creating that retention focus, um, but that is something that they need within of themselves. They need to be able to have that in a workplace to have that camaraderie. Yeah, Delaney, you know, it it sounds like uh, this is a no brainer as a source to go for, for great employees, right? What is what is something that is uh, uh, most misunderstood by recruit- recruiters or, or companies when they're looking for employees about these veterans if they're not tapping into the sources as readily as they should be? I think we've put such which it's a beautiful thing that we've put such a focus on putting veterans in the jobs, but the focus has been solely on putting them into the driver's seat. Okay. Um, I, I know this because I talked to a lot of veterans and I push for them to go to the hiring fairs where these transportation companies are and they're not being looked at if they don't have the MOS number of a driver or someone who can go through the CDL waiver so they can get into the truck faster, mm-hmm. then they're not even being spoken to. And so I'm challenging and I want them to challenge to get them to put that focus in there. We need to be looking at the whole picture and how we can get these veterans into the jobs where they're also managing those drivers. That's a really interesting point. Just kind of open your eyes. 
Well, that, no, that's a really interesting point because I, I, you're kind of saying there's like this stigma that if someone, a guy from the military comes up to a recruiter, you're talking logistics, it's the assumption automatically is, oh, CD holding truck driver. But yeah, yeah, this exactly. is a huge industry with all sorts of different roles. You can come in in operations. You could come in in exports. You could come in in data science. You could come in- um, Brokerage. In, or even marketing. Or many customs, yeah. planners. Yes. Uh, fleet maintenance managers, inventory control specialists, all of that they have the skills already for. Yeah, I was going to say their skill set matches all of those different things, especially sure. in this. I mean, we're in an industry, let's face it, where it's 24-7 and vacations are just remote work, right? Well, and after four <laughs> plus years in the military or whatever yeah. it is, that doesn't mean you automatically can transition seamlessly to sitting in a truck and now you want to be away from your family driving a truck. Yeah, it doesn't that may mean, mean you already all. did the right. four years. You met that military spouse out there. You promised your wife you'd be out of the military at X time. <laughs> now you're out going civilian. And maybe that driver, especially some of those younger ones, don't necessarily want to be over the road. Maybe they instead want that. And the military gives plenty of training across logistics that are completely applicable across all spectrums. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, honestly, the military is just one giant transportation company. They're either moving people or gear. I mean, that is the yeah. reality that they're constantly moving something. They're moving planes. They're moving people. They're moving the equipment that moves the planes. They're moving the equipment that powers the planes. They're moving the people that are going the ground side on the planes that they're also managing the logistics of to then drop them off where they, where they need to go. The tents, the ground, the, I mean, I mean, realistically, we have literally construction workers. We have CBs. We have stuff like that. Yes. So there's it's literally one giant transportation company. They're everything that we do in the civilian sector. They also do in the military. But on top of that, they also have to meet physical fitness requirements. They have a lot of other things, deployments, schoolings. There's a lot of things that they have to meet in order to keep doing their job. So imagine them going into the transportation sector within the civilian field and half of that gets shaved off. Um, and all they have to do now is literally just focus on the job. Yeah, yeah. Bullets win battles. Logistics wins wars, right? That's what they say. A lot of, lot of, lot of really intelligent people, obviously, in our military, and they deserve that chance. Do you work with other um, uh, organizations that are that are kind of geared towards this as well? That are there for to be resources for people like Delana Morris, like uh, uh, Dixon Group, Skillbridge, that type of thing. Yes, um, I do work with uh, Transition Roundtable, which focuses also on the emotional transition, something that mm -hmm. I've been an advocate of, which goes into them getting into, you know, a job where they can utilize all their skills. Yeah. Um, but I also work with, so the account that I represent is um, Johnson & Johnson, which is supply chain. They're pharmaceuticals, but they're supply chain. Um, so I, it's been my goal and my passion to put my foot in the door and get as many veterans hired, uh, within that company as well. Well, very cool. Well, a little cowbell for all the work you're doing for these veterans. If they want to connect with you or, you know, other logistics companies, they like what they heard. They want to plug into your network, uh, military guys or girls, they want to get, they want to get into the program. Where do I send them to? Um, send them to me, uh, Delana on LinkedIn. So there's unfortunately there's not very many of me. Um, but, uh, if you find me on LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn and I, I purposely push that because that's where the jobs are. <laughs> hmm. 
Yeah. Um, that's where the people who are hiring for those jobs are, uh, the yeah. recruiters. So I want, um, I would really like to see a, a nice good push from our ground side Marines and soldiers. E5s and below, get on LinkedIn, help me help you. Um, and then for on the logistics side, you know, I would love to start talking to companies, opening up skill bridge opportunities um, for these guys. I mean, why not? You know, the government's the one paying their paycheck for the six months that they're working for free for your company. Very cool. Getting hey, civilian skills. Thank right you so on. much for your time today. We appreciate it. Next time you're right here in Chattanooga, next time come on down to the studio. Take it easy. Absolutely. Right on. The one, see, the one problem with LinkedIn, though, right? The one problem with LinkedIn oh. is like, yeah, there's recruiters on there and a lot of salespeople, mm-hmm. but not always the, the, the actual side, the, the workers that you're, you're looking for. Yeah, a lot of exactly. office people, but not a ton of drivers. There's yeah, like yeah, Dan yeah. the driver on there, Ivan Hernandez. Yeah, you have some, but you're yeah. right. The preponderance it's not like is Facebook, TikTok, Twitter right. level That's where of, they're at. of driver, or even like a lot of young people, you know? It yeah. seems like people like don't really start using LinkedIn until they're like, I don't know, 20, 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. Seems like there's a barrier. So they get an office job. I, guess. I don't know. <laughs> Who can deal with the people in there after a while? All right. I know we said it before. We'll say it again. Search transportation things. Non-competes are stupid. They are. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining your supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. Instead, what you're going to do is you're going to email jobs at searchtransportation.com. And then what are you going to do? You're going to open your own office tomorrow. Sure are. History lesson, Michael Vincent. For over 35 years, Fleetworthy Solutions has provided a single source of solutions to monitor and manage DOT compliance while mitigating risk for private and for higher carriers. With advanced technologies and exceptional client services, Fleetworthy becomes an extension of your team to make your company go beyond compliant. Want to hear from a Wahlberg? You know, talking about a boss, you got to have a Wahlberg on We here, have a Wahlberg? Oh, well, we have a video from a Wahlberg. Let's take oh. a look. College hype. Great product. Great service. Great people. Come get your stuff. Get your hats. Get your shirts. Get it all. Then get a burger. That was, I a, believe that was get Paul Wahlberg. Let's go over to College Hype. And you know what's awesome, too? They're taking us inside the store. By the way, people, whenever you come on the show, if you can bring us in your office or what you do, we always we always love it. We got Jack Darty and Mark Reddish both over at College Hype Sportswear. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having us, guys. Looking forward to being on. Oh, you know, so there was a little controversy, or, or I don't know if there was controversy when uh, when Bill from Baltimore was on, but we were talking about South Shore Pizza, and he was very clearly on the side of Denley's. Do you two gentlemen agree with him? No, we're with you on that. Mark, why don't you tell yeah. Denley's is good for pizza and a few other things. Yeah. Wanna, tell them about, uh, Without Denley's. a doubt, me and uh, young Mr. Doyle have uh, spent a lot of time in Denley's, and uh, it's a great little spot, great pizza, You know, great my people. My wife was just she's uh she's she's out with the kids visiting some family and they uh they drove by our old place where we moved out here in Hanover and she reported back to me I guess one of our the dive I used to go to over there Squires is okay. gone yeah oh. I don't know where the locals are gonna go uh play Kino and watch soap operas in the middle of the day but it's not there anymore Ooh, that sucks pretty sad yeah, it no, is that's, that's, when your favorite dive goes away it's bad Red Rose go Red Rose Red Rose we still we still got uh, Al Dewey sand trap that's still hanging around. Well, hey, <laughs> I was looking at this story. By the way, you guys, did this start all the way back uh, when you were in college? You started this company? Or, or what's a little background? Yeah, well, I went to a Catholic memorial. I'm not sure. Have you ever heard of that? 
I CM high. That's where I went, man. We are the Knights of CM. Come on and fight. Let's go, man. We've had a fight to win before. Come on and fight. Let's fight some more. I went, to, I went to see him. <laughs> so we, I went to see him. We had a few t-shirt ideas. Uh, and then we got to Westfield State in 86, around 87, 88. Things started taking off. We did a t-shirt at Westfield State. No fun allowed. Uh, making, making, uh, making fun of the security. And then we did a few more other shirts. And then um, uh, when we were leaving, we did the parties over. Now what do we do? And uh, we had a lot of success with it. And, and then we, uh, we, we started uh, right after Westfield. We went to Dorchester. Uh, we're from Dorchester and started uh, Dorchester Day T-shirts. and been selling them now for uh, 33 years and been in business 35 years. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. We're looking at all these. Well, so what kind of what kind of gear you guys got throughout this shop here? Tell us what we're looking at here. We're going through your uh, shop looking at Merry Christmas, what kind of also do a lot of Charlestown gear, South Boston gear. We have the Boston Irish book by Bill Brett. Resilience was a uh, program we did where we raised fifty thousand dollars for um South Shore Health, South Shore Hospital on the South Shore, as you, you know, right right near uh it's in Weymouth near near Hanover. And then uh we also raised um, money and donated to the um, to the Boston Medical Center as well to uh, help the um, help them raise uh, money for PPE and and that was done from March and April uh, March and April of uh, 2020 when uh, everyone was down and out. Guys like Mark came in and, and helped out at night and printed shirts. Uh, we wore the masks. We did the whole social distancing and uh, started a website and it, uh, it went from there. It was a lot of fun and. Uh, you know, from from a dark time, we, we kind of made it a light time, and and we uh, we had some success, and it was, it was a great uh, great thing. I think it was good for bonding with everyone. Mark, would you say? Yeah, that? sure. So just again, it just brought everybody together. The true word of uh, resilience, it just from uh, our company, right straight through to the uh, delivery of the product. It was it was top notch. And to donate the money on top of that can't be. Well, speaking of products, so all during this like pandemic, we we order apparel over here. At Freight Waves, too. And one of the things recently I was trying to get was some, like, Richardson 112 hats. And, like, every single, like, supplier was completely sold out. Have you experienced that with uh, – what have some of the challenges been on the supply chain side of bringing in some of your your, your favorite printing goods? So you want to talk yeah, about the trucker hats? Yeah, sure. Some, a little background about uh, Yeah, so the, the trucker hats, you, you hit the nail on the head. It is. It's, they, were, they were nowhere to be found, all shapes, sizes, and colors. It was crazy. So – what we like to lean on are our vendors, and that's that's what makes it, you know, important with us is that we have four to five trusted vendors that we can rely on and go to the next product. And some of the products, you know, if you want the Richardson, you get the Richardson. You might, during these times, have to go down one slight, and, uh, you know, those are the vendors we can get those things from. And, you know, not a lot of struggles, but we've had a share. Yeah, one of, one of the great things is that... Um you know, we've, we've had uh, a ton of loyal employees, and right after we laid everybody off, uh, they all came back. Most of them came back, and uh, our purchasing team is one of our stronger teams. Uh, and what they did is they would farm things, source things, do whatever. So, like Mark mentioned, if you couldn't get a Richardson hat, you would go to someone else. But I will say that that hat you mentioned, I actually have one right here. It's not a Richardson, but it's similar. Were, were mathematically impossible to get. So what we did is we kind of, as, as that was happening, we got up in front of it and we would try to buy a thousand or fifteen hundred or three thousand and, and uh, install them. 
And that was the same with T-shirts as well. The inventory chain, uh, supply chain, as you guys know, probably better than we do. It was brutal at times, but having a great staff that, that's on the phones all day long and, and not having to get out the door at four, they would make the calls. And someone like Mark would sell 500 hats to someone, and we, we, we would say we will have them. And then what would happen is you turn around, they'd be out of stock, but our purchases just kept buying and buying. And we were, uh, we were able to have some success and not, not let a lot of people down. So what, what's the seasonality like right there? I mean, college hype right now, we're going in four weeks, right? Less than four weeks away from college if football season? college football season. Yeah. Like 27th, I'm hyped about that. <laughs> but return to campus, I mean, you got back to school everywhere. I, my right. kids go back to school in like three weeks. They're in elementary school. Wow. There you go. So is this, this a pretty busy time for you guys right now? Yeah, very busy. We have a lot of uh, – we print for a lot of middle schools. We also print for high schools. And, and Duna, you would know some of the names, Boston, Latin – we mentioned okay. CM, BC High. Uh, so there's a lot of that going on, especially with the football uh, frenzy coming up with all the high schools. Then you get into the colleges. We do uh, a lot of work with Harvard, Harvard Medical School, Harvard Business School, uh, my alma mater, Westfield State. I mean, it goes on and on. And, and what happens now is the biggest thing that comes out of our sales meetings is rushes. Sure. You might want to tell them how many, what you have for rushes with schools right now. Yeah, that's what's happening. It gets in, it kind of clogs the pipeline, but again, it goes back to our employees. We're able to figure it out and push things out if we need to, but the rushes are coming in. It's the end of the summer. You know, you've got people coming off vacation. Their heads are starting to spin a little bit and move, and they're calling in, and then you got the principals from the school. They're calling in. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty busy time, and it'll run right through, uh, right through December easily. What, what kind of lead time do you do you need on something like that? Like rush is coming up. We need a thousand T-shirts, a thousand hats. What 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 do you guys need to know? And has has the pandemic changed that at all? Has it increased those timelines, shortened them? So it's definitely increased them. We used to we, one of the good one of the great things we can print and embroider in house. Uh, we we can show you a video on that later on But we print and embroider in house. So the good thing is when they land here. It's bang. It's on the floor. We can get it done. The challenge you have is getting it. As you know, with, with the trucking industry, a real live example from the last two hours was those hats that were supposed to come in for an event this uh, this Saturday. They didn't land. They didn't get here. We're, trying, we're, waiting, we're literally at the door waiting for UPS to deliver them. And it was trucker hats, uh, coincidentally. But but that's where, that's where you really get sidetracked and, and, and it can throw you off when things don't arrive. But the lead times now, we're running... Uh, two to three weeks. If you went to Catholic Memorial, the lead time's a week. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if, if you fall over it, it can be a day or two. And I'm not kidding. Paul is called and getting stuff in a day because he is a great guy. And he's done a lot with us over the last 15 years. But uh, lead times, I would say, Mark, in embroidery, three to four weeks. Three, yeah, three screen four print. Weeks. Yeah, screen print. Uh, probably two and a half. Three, three weeks, yeah. yeah. Two to three. Screen print. Well, I, when I was there in the uh, the early mid '90s, we were just a powerhouse in hockey over at CN. We got this guy there Coach Hanson over there. Yeah. We were winning all the state championships. It was uh, had a couple yeah. of Bruins go on to that team too. That's very Teddy cool. Donato. Well, I was going to ask. I mean, along those lines, you know, rivalries, et cetera. Jack, is there anybody? If somebody come in, hey, I need a thousand T-shirts or a thousand hats, and this is what I want on them, and you like, you say, nah, I ain't printing those. Oh, like BC wanted to yeah. put CM socks or something on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thrive on that stuff, though. Somebody needs a thousand shirts. I, I tell you where it really comes into play is on the charities. If someone said, "Look at I, if I can pay you know eight bucks a t-shirt and sell them for twenty and raise twelve bucks a shirt, twelve thousand dollars in two days for charity, we get it done. No, no matter what, whether it's the Martin Richard Foundation or Project Three Fifty One, we definitely 
I would say give them special consideration because it's a win-win for everybody. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the with, with the schools, I mean, there was a uh, I can't think of this high school that was in it. My buddy Chuck Carucci's kid was a quarterback. They were playing at uh, uh, in Foxborough for the championship. He goes, I need I need fifteen hundred shirts in three days. Mathematically impossible. I go, if you can take white shirts and we get them out the warehouse, we can get it done. And we ended up having gray shirts in house. We got it done, and I, I think it kind of made the season. Um, but th- but that's the stuff. Yeah, we we can get it done when you have your own presses in house. And you get guys willing to go 15 hours a day. And I'll let, I let Mark tell the story about when he first started with the Red Sox. Uh, started here. We printed the Red Sox stuff. Uh, how it gets done. You want to tell yeah, us that was, quick? That was, that was a team effort. I've got the same one. I, I just started. And, uh, you know, uh, Jack got me on board. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know where I was going to land with the company. But so he said, we're going to start downstairs. Uh, we've got these Red Sox World Series uh, shirts. We're going to do them going all night. Uh, 24/7, probably for four or five days straight. So this was uh, this was us Red Sox that we ran. So it's a World Champ shirt. And, uh, Sweet. I think Mark, Mark was on the interview and he's like, "What do you want me to do?" I go, "Oh, can you Roll commit, you commit tomorrow at four in the morning?" He goes, "Whatever it takes." I go, "All right." Roll those sleeves up. Yeah. Take that suit jacket off. Get, get it to done. Work. Get it done. So that's the kind of stuff we can do. It's a lot of fun. I, there are challenges though with the supply chain. But if you said I needed 100 gray shirts in three days, we got them out in the, out in the, uh, out in the locker so we can get those done. But, uh, you know, it, it, it does make a challenge in these times, but I, I think we're coming out of them slowly. Yeah. So, what is the, uh, what's the most popular item that you guys sell? Wear it. One of them, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, what's the most popular? Probably what you guys are wearing right there. Ah, it's the, so, the t-shirts, no, right? It's very good, by the way. That's a that's a that's a great shot. Uh, yeah, I think I think you know the, the t-shirts, the sixty-two ten, the sixty ten next level shirt. Uh, we sell thousands and thousands. The crazy thing is the prices are up twenty yeah yeah twenty five to twenty eight percent depending on the vendor. So uh, you know that, that that can that can get costly, but wow. But your retail value on that shirt's thirty bucks. Wow, you guys you charge know, a fuel right? surcharge on those shirts? <laughs> well, no. Any, look, anybody who's been Vincent, anybody who's been buying apparel, you'll you'll notice a, a pretty steep increase. And in like, yeah, but you also notice if you're going to buy like a sure hat, things that were twenty five are now thirty. Things that were thirty thirty five. Sure. I mean, it's that. But I don't think a lot of these retailers are sucking huge margins off of these big supply chain increases. Actually, I think they're all a little bit concerned about how they can they can retain their own margins while not hitting their customer too hard. I love it. I love it. I tell you what, this is a nice shirt too. It is a really nice shirt. <laughs> so hey, really, before yeah, I we, recommend it. Before we let you guys go, we have to we have to know who you decided was the winner of this dad joke competition you're having on. Can you can you roll the tape here? There was a couple of good ones. I know my kind of car does a sheep like to drive a Lamborghini. Why do melons have weddings? They can't alone. What do you call a French man wearing sandals? A Philippe of Holland. All right, was that it was one, two? <laughs> Got to be the winner. Got to be the winner. <laughs> Number three is mine, man. Yeah, the flip flop was a pretty was a pretty strong like, one. You get getting into it with the whole trying to do the accent on the Philippe Philop. That that did it for me. That did it. There's nothing like a like a like a Boston accent trying to do a French accent trying to do a character <laughs> doing their own character work. It always <laughs> exactly, sounds beautiful. Man. But guys, exactly. talking to his music to my ears. I, we need to catch up again. But in the meantime, people like what they heard. They need some apparel. Or they want to frequent your shops because they're in the mass area. Where do I send them to? Well, uh, it's two places. We have a, a location in, in Dorchester. It's uh, 
at 540 Gallon Boulevard. We also have in Weymouth our uh, headquarters at 54 Matthewson Drive. Website's collegehype.com. If they're going to call in, 617-282-8883. Ask for Mark, the man Reddish, right here, and uh, he'll get it done. Right on, Thanks, man. guys. Go Sox, even though they're terrible and had an awful July. Maybe August will be better. We need <laughs> it. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, that quadruple 18 that we got over at, at Fenway. They, they were, we had a really promising July, Michael Vincent. Yeah. Week start, really strong July. Brutal. I mean, sorry, good June. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. terrible, July terrible July. Is where, we're yeah. in August now. Today's August 1st. Week start, June got a little bit better, gave a little hope, and then... Nah, yeah, not so much. All right, well, it's money. Let's see what kind of things make you go. What the truck? <laughs> What's on this story? <laughs> this is a weird one. What do you think happened here? So Wayne 15 reports at around 3.20 p.m. Friday, a medium cargo plane made an emergency landing at Raleigh-Durham International Airport in North Carolina. It was a twin-engine uh, Casa CN-212 avio car. Craig Fuller would know what that is. I don't even know what I'm reading. I have no idea uh, what that but is. But it's made yeah. in Spain and was registered to Colorado-based Spore LTD. It landed on the runway. It veers in the grass. There's an injured pilot on inside. The plane is missing a wheel and is also missing its co-pilot. It's copilot. Like, here's where the story gets yeah, weird. Yeah, this is bizarre. I guess they called up to air traffic and they alerted them, right? With plenty of time. They still had hours of fuel left. And they said, hey, we really need to land now because we realize we don't have this wheel. Um, yeah. So they eventually get clearance to land over there. The guy lands. Uh, no copilot. Well, way down the road in the Sonoma Springs neighborhood, 30 miles south of the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A 23-year-old man, Charles Hugh Crook, someone heard a loud noise in their backyard. It was this guy. This guy, somehow he fell out of the airplane, and he went down there, and, and they're not sure. I don't know what the co-pilot that's in the surviving. backyard? What, is the, what did the surviving co-pilot tell them? Uh, I don't know. It's still I under it's investigation, like right? So they got up. They, they noticed they didn't have a wheel. For some reason, they yeah. noticed they didn't have a wheel. He wanted permission to land, right? And, and uh, then he lands, and there's no co-pilot. Well, he said he just jumped out. That was parachute. And he just jumped That's out. That's what the co-pilot said. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I hate to make fun of what's here, but maybe he was trying to put a new wheel on there. I don't know. Do you, or, what's going I mean, on? It seems How do you too, fall out of an airplane? It seems too weirdly elaborate for like a murder, right? Like, ah, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to take my wheel off. I'm going to make the wheel fall after we take off. And then when he goes out, I'm going to like push, push. I don't know what happened. Yeah. yeah hey, think, check the wheel. But I, we don't, you don't know everyone's condition that they're in at a time or, or their panic or all that. But I, I don't know. Like what would cause them to jump out of a plane? I don't know. I, I, I would take my chances landing with one wheel before I jump out of the plane. Right. And not a panic and just jumping out. Can you imagine being a homeowner too? And you hear a big thud in your background, your backyard and you walk out and there's like, where did this dead person come from? <laughs> like, why is there's a dead person? That, you know, that happened at Logan airport. It was really sad. Story. Oh, a teenager. Uh, I think that was less than 10 years ago. I don't know the exact yeah, yeah, date yeah, of the yeah. story, but they yeah. tried to climb in the wheel well. Oh. And they fell off, and this, they found this teenager on yeah. this person's, like, their front yard, and they yeah. were confused at first because they had some frostbite, and they were, like, many of their bones were broken. They were kind of mangled, and they realized that they had fallen out of the wheel well of the airplane. Yeah, you freeze to death in those, is yeah. what I'm told. That's, that's not good. Hey, Lot Lizard Express is hiring, my friend, but is oh. this a good job? I know you've been waiting for this. Is this a real guys. company? What you tell me, my brother. <laughs> what are they doing? What is <laughs> Let's go through some of this copy okay. here, man. They're looking for a good runner with a class A for eleven Western states. Please, good attitude, no complainers or cry. Wait, put babies. a disclaimer. You are reading right now the ad. I am from reading the ad from these guys right now. Looking for a good runner, no complainers, especially no crybabies. Let's make this a good experience. 
Come grow with us. Three years experience, 50 to 60 cents per mile, depending on your experience. Wish we could pay more if you want more. Like 90 cents, go buy your own truck and drive it is what it says here. Wow. Uh, we're easy to do business with. Uh, let's not waste anybody's time here. And we pay cash and Zelle. Take care of us. Our trucks will take care of you. Um, the trucks have a microwave, smart TVs. They, they got smart to... TVs. They got microwaves. They got fridges. Any questions, call Oscar. I don't have the number here. We're not going to put that out there. But, uh, hey, if things break, we fix them. They're they're good. You look these guys up. They got one truck. Yeah, uh, and they're located the, on the, Sesame Street. Move to the next thing here. I think we've got their... Uh, they're compliant. There you go. We've there got we their go. safer sys report here on their MC number or their DOT number. And they here. live on so, Sesame. Oscar lives on Sesame Street. They're on Sesame Street in uh, what is that? Hemet, California. They got yeah. one truck, one driver uh, currently. Um, what do you think, man? Well, I think they're one driver left. I think that's what they need on Monday. I think it's a terrible deal for six, sixty cents. I mean, I guess, I guess in the copy, I, I, I guess at least they're being honest about how much they're not going to pay you over there. Um, you however, 90, this yeah, redder says this this person on Reddit said these a holes are the reason Cali's AB five exists and why there is strikingly similar language in the Pro Act, um, wandering its torturous path through Congress. Hey, all you drivers blocking the Cali ports protesting AB five, why don't you go protest in front of these idiots' office instead, since they are the cause of your issues? I don't know if that's fully true, but yeah. I, I guess, yeah, those like them are why you're having this. I guess. I don't know. I don't know that it was against these these type of people, but whatever. I don't, I don't know. know. Here's a close call. You dodge a bullet not getting that job. Someone might have dodged a bullet right here. Look at this video. Guy 85 says, today was a fun day. Thank God nobody got hurt. The pickup with camper was driving in the wrong oh, lane. I was fully loaded. Did you hear that? Yes. Holy he hit him. I was fully loaded going down. Yeah, you can hear that. But not head on. Fortunately, here is what happened, though. Uh, the person who posted this video says, uh, idiot almost killed his whole family. Three kids and a baby were in there. His truck and camper are a total loss. Ripped out of uh, my trailer. Ripped the wheels right off. So it skinned the cat, went on the side there, but they, they it opened like a can. Yeah, but you can you no can injury. hear the impact a little bit at the end there. Well, great moving, but get great maneuvering by this driver, yeah. too. Not a ton of space for him to get over, and uh, he managed to get it done. Guy, a pinhead. Uh, 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 he used a different word, which I agree with. Dude, a passenger got fined $1,874 after they arrived in Australia with two undeclared McMuffins oh. that were in their luggage, my friend. Wow. $1,874. That's $2,664 Australian dollars after two undeclared egg and beef sausage McMuffins and a ham croissant. And maybe it was a ham croissant that cost so much money. Were found in their luggage at Darwin Airport in the country's northern territory. They were coming Darwin. in from Bali, uh, which is a, uh, a popular tourist uh, location for uh, or spot for Australians. Apparently that there was a foot and mouth disease outbreak in Indonesia that spread to Bali. And so the, the Australians put out this new biosecurity thing. And uh, this is why this guy got nailed with such a thing here but here's the thing it wasn't tech that caught it what was it it was a dog my friend. oh zinta the security dog zinta the security dog <laughs> isn't one that kind of how are you gonna get uh, what's contraband how are you gonna smoke why do you want to smuggle egg you isn't there mcdonald's in australia why do you have to smuggle egg mcmuffins there I, there are potentially and they call them macas macas meal they said this is the most expensive macas meal this passenger will ever has this murray witt minister for agriculture fisheries forestry Said in a statement, this fine is twice the cost of the airfare to Bali. So, that's, you know, yeah, that's what that's makes crazy. people not like ministers of agriculture, though. Why? It seems 
like he almost he he acknowledges this person did a mistake, and he's like, ah, "That'll be the most expensive meal they'll ever have." Yeah, that's right. I will never do another one of I these bally trips. Just I don't know how bad their foot and mouth disease is. Here's another one for you: FedEx box <laughs> containing suspected murder victim's body has been missing for three years. Imagine looking at tracking of your dead body you can't find. It's you actually pretty you could sad for this family. Find a dead body after three. They years. have no idea where it was. Apparently, this guy, uh, Jeffrey Merriweather, 32, in Atlanta, he died in 2019. His remains were sent to Fulton County Medical Examiner, apparently via FedEx, uh, and then to a facility in St. Louis for more testing. They and then at that point, they have no idea where it went, no idea where the body went. Family says they just want closure. I don't know. There's some perspective for you next time you lose a package. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Michael Vincent the Dude. Subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Don't be a stranger and tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere.